from NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm guest announcer Cecil Baldwin with musician Julian Villard. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg! Hello, everybody! Thank you, Cecil. It's always a treat to have Cecil Baldwin here, the voice of Welcome to Night Vale with us. We have four brilliant contestants here. They are currently trying to achieve that delicate balance between staying hydrated and not having to pee on stage. Soon they're going to play our nerdy games right here, and then one of them will be our big winner. And our special guest is the food and wine expert from Queer Eye, Anthony Porofsky. Yeah! So if you haven't seen the show, Queer Eye is kind of like Captain Planet, except for instead of summoning a superhero to save the planet, the elements of food, fashion, grooming, design, and culture come together to get a man to take a shower. Big news, yeah. I have to say, I've learned two big things from watching Queer Eye. One is, you gotta moisturize your beard. <laughs> Even if you're a woman, you gotta get on that. <laughs> two is, the answer to all of your food woes, avocado. That's the answer, yep. Don't know how to cook, serve an avocado. <laughs> Feeling angry and distant from your family, smash an avocado. Feeling lonely? Dress up an avocado. That's your friend now. Yeah. I think Anthony is the dream date, right? He cooks, he loves dogs, he looks like John Mayer without actually having to be John Mayer. We have some great games in the show. We have a game inspired by James Bond. Uh, remember when Daniel Craig came out of the ocean in that small bikini and gender equality was achieved? Do you remember that? I think my favorite Bond movie is where Bond tries to use his medical insurance to see a specialist in the U.S. It's called Dr. No. This pharmacy's <laughs> taking forever. My copay costs forever. <laughs> we also have a game featuring, uh, we're going to read love letters to bodies of water. Now, that sort of begs me to make the joke, uh, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but are there? (laughs) We're all on Tinder. I mean, I'm married, so I'm not on Tinder very often, but um, (laughs) when he's sick, you know, when he's sick. (laughs) All right, you guys are awesome. Let's let's play some games, everybody. Our first two contestants will play a game about words with Greek origins. It's like our other word games, but with feta cheese. Let's meet them. First up, Monica, to you. You're a graduate student studying neuroscience. Yes, ma'am. So you're working on a study to see how people respond to fail videos? Well, the idea is you're watching a fail video. Someone gets hurt in a presumably hilarious way. You might feel good and bad about it at the same time because on the one hand, it's horrible that this person just like impaled themselves between the legs on like a railing on their skateboard. But on the other hand, it's so funny. If you ask them, like, what did you think from watching this fail video? Different people might say, that was horrible. Like, that person just got hurt. Someone else might say, that was so funny. How do you respond to those videos? Half the time, it really depends. I need to wait long enough to make sure that the person, like, hasn't actually broken any bones. I have definitely seen some videos and gone to Google after, like, person in so-and-so video, like, did they get hurt or not? And then if they're fine, then it's great. It's true. We need a where are they now fail videos. Yes, please. Monica, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Till Monti from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
you have many jobs. You're primarily a registered nurse, but one of your other jobs is at a, as a bouncer yes. at a live event space that yes. does everything from podcasts to death metal bands. Correct. Uh, so how often have you used your skills <laughs> as a nurse when you're working as a bouncer? It works the other way as well. Uh, but <laughs> I pretty, bet it pretty, does. pretty often. Um, and there have been cases where I've put people in an ambulance and they've gone to my other job. Yeah. Um, not, not like I've put people in an ambulance, but they've had to uh, happen to need to get it some further medical attention and I've put some sticky notes on people uh, for my sticky other job. Yeah, just people? be like, this is from, from me, because I know they were going to my other, my other hospital. <laughs> But, uh, so I usually work with the after effects of the fail videos. Oh. Uh, so. Till, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Monica and Till, whoever has more points after two games will move on to our final round. This is a multiple choice guessing game. We're going to give you an English word with an obscure Greek origin. You are going to ring in and just select the correct literal translation. Here we go. Does the word encyclopedia come from the Greek for A, tome of answers, B, training in a circle, or C, tiny baby bicycle? Monica. I'm going to go with B. Training in a circle? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Does the word Europe come from the Greek for A, thin neck, B, broad eye. C, a good idea. In theory. Uh, Till. Uh, broad eye. That is correct. Does the word melancholy come from the Greek for A, a melon-colored collie? B, green gills. Or C, black bile. Till. Black bile. Yes, that is correct. It's a holdover from old-timey bad medicine. Uh, it was thought that melancholia was caused by an excess of black bile in the system. Does the word cynicism come from the Greek for A, handsome beard, B, white dog, C, not voting because Sparta and Athens are just the same anyway? <laughs> Till. White dog. That is correct. This is your last clue. Does the word sarcasm come from the Greek for A, Peter Sarsgaard yelling into a chasm? (laughs) B, stripping off the flesh, or C, bearing of the fangs? Till. Stripping off the flesh. So interesting. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Yes. It comes from sarks for flesh and turic for to cut. Mm. All that to just be like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cecil Baldwin, how did our contestants do? That was a great first game. Till, you are in the lead. <laughs> our next game is about bays. Like Old Bay, a mix of spices that tastes like five o'clock shadow feels. <laughs> <laughs> So this quiz is called To All the Bays I've Loved Before. In this game, Cecil and I will read love notes to various B-A-Y bays uh, with a romantic accompaniment from guest musician Julian Villard. Ring in and identify the bay. And the points are doubled. Till, stay in the lead, and you are in the final round. Monica, you need to get more points, or you have to do a line of Old Bay. (laughs) Here we go. Hey, bay. I get why Alcatraz is right in the middle of you. Because you stole the key to my heart. Monica. The San Francisco Bay? That is correct. Hey, Bay, you're so cool. You're Arctic Ocean cool. And when I'm seeking that Northwest Passage, I'll sail my ship Discovery right through you. Till. Newfoundland Bay? Newfoundland Bay? Ah, good guess, but incorrect. Monica, can you steal? 
I'm going to go with the St. Lawrence Bay. Also incorrect. We were looking for Hudson Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. The old my bay is living is in that? Canada. We're yeah. very close to it. Yeah. Very close, <laughs> yes. Hey, bay. There's a revolution in your mouth. <laughs> when you and Lafayette teamed up at Yorktown against the British, you didn't just win the battle. You won the war for my heart. Uh, Monica. Let's go with the Yorktown Bay. Oh, oh incorrect. Hamilton, Till, can no. you steal? Oh. Chesapeake Bay? Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. Hey, Bay. I love it when you and I are packed together like sardines on your cannery row. When the Big Little Lies theme song says, did you ever want it? Did you want it bad? I wrote that about you, Bay. Monica. Okay, let's go with uh, Monterey Bay. Let's go with yes. <laughs> Woo. I gotta say, if I said, you know, the Meryl Streep runs into Monterey Bay, you would believe me, right? That sounds oh, like yeah. a... Because it would be true, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, a, a thing of water. You take the Glen Close to the Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're estuaries or something. Yeah. This is your last clue. Hey, Bay, I think you're great. Not just because you're an arm of Lake Michigan... I knew we were meant to be together when we found out we both owned shares in the Packers. But what we really share is love. Uh, Monica. Okay, it is the Green Bay? That is correct. <gasps> I almost said the Bay of Cheese. The Bay of Cheese? <laughs> I really did. We would have accepted that. <laughs> That was a great game. And it looks like, Monica, you're moving ahead to the final round. Coming up, I'll be joined by Anthony Porowski, the food and wine expert from Queer Eye. His cookbook is called Anthony in the Kitchen, and I'll find out when he's coming to my kitchen. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Rothy's. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. Stylish, versatile, fully machine washable, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Best of all, there's zero break-in period thanks to their woven design, seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles. Plus, Rothy's always come with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. Find out why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes at rothys.com another. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Sir Kensington's, offering new ranch and vinaigrette dressings in a variety of flavors. Sir Kensington's believes a salad is more of a question mark than an exclamation point, a place for flavor mashups and texture collisions. They say all salads welcome. If you want to cover a bowl of fries and ketchup and call it a salad, they say well done. If you want to put your salad on bread and call it an egg salad sandwich, they salute you. Let your salad flag fly and get $1 off your next purchase at sirkensingtons.com slash askmeanother. Sir Kensington's, abandon all bland. There's a multivitamin that can make our lives instantly better. All we need to get its benefits is to step outside. Nature and parks and greenery helps us be our better selves. The miracle of vitamin N in the latest episode of our U2.0 series on Hidden Brain from NPR. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Cecil Baldwin. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg! Thank you, Cecil. Now it's time to welcome our special guest. He's the food and wine expert on Queer Eye, and his upcoming cookbook is called Antony in the Kitchen. Please welcome Antony Porowski. 
Anthony, welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Canadian. I keep talking to Canadians. I'm mm -hmm. starting to think that I'm just doing a segment called, Hi, you're a Canadian. Talking to Canadians. <laughs> talking to Canadians. Yeah. Uh, you grew up in Montreal. Grew up in Montreal, and I was the first one in my family born outside of Europe. Yeah, yeah. I know. You do. <laughs> And then when you were 12 years old, you moved from Montreal to West Virginia. I did! <laughs> so what got you to start cooking? I actually started cooking when I got kicked out of my parents' house at the age of 17. I was a nightmare. <laughs> um, I just started college, actually, so it was Sejep. And I befriended um, these three guys. We started a band later. We called ourselves the Silver Spoons. We wrote one song, and it was called Hey Jackie. And the joke was, like, are we singing about Jack Daniels or about a girl named Jackie? We thought we were very clever. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the four of us, all of our parents lived abroad. And so we were all sort of, like, alone. We were, like, lost boys. Yeah. And then I decided to start cooking for them. And I'd never prepared a meal for myself before that because I had a mother and I had, like, a woman who took care of me growing up who would, like, prepare everything. And the first thing I made, I found out recently, was a very unsuccessful mushy eggplant parm. But it got good. It, That's got, right. it got better with time. <laughs> I read that in 2012, mm -hmm. you decide that you and a pal are going to go meet Ted Allen and go to his cookbook signing at a yeah. bookstore. So I was living with a very close friend of mine, PJ Vogt, who now has a very successful podcast <laughs> called Reply All. Yeah. And, uh, and he mentioned, he was like, you know what? You're living in Clinton Hill now. You got to get in with the food community. He was one of the, actually the first people in my life who was basically like, you're insanely weird and passionate about food. And I know that you want to be an actor, but you should explore food in a professional capacity. And because I had bigger, different plans for myself, I was like, no. And I was just very stubborn. But he was like, this guy, Ted Allen, the OG on Bravo's Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I almost forgot the name. I was up at five today. It's fine. <laughs> so then I, I did the Google, and I found out that he had a cookbook that was coming out. And I was like, okay, let's go to a book signing. So went, introduced myself. He wrote a nice little note. Then we started talking. And so we hung out, and then we realized that we lived literally across the street from each other. We became fast friends. And um, was that the question at all? Did yeah, I no, totally? That's okay, good. So you, were, you guys are fresh friends. How did that turn into employment for you? Ted and Barry, his, his, his lovely husband, had um, beehives on their brownstone, on their roof, and they made their own honey. As, uh, this is the as, most as, like, as Ted idyllic story. I love this. Um, and so they had all this honey, and uh, Barry designed a beautiful label, and they started jarring it. And they were like, well, we don't want to sell it. We want to gift it. And they needed help. So at Christmas, I came and I like helped package them and I basically started working as her personal assistant. Oh, I'm remembering the stress of it now. <laughs> I was the worst assistant ever. So you found out that Netflix was planning on rebooting Queer Eye and you decide that this might be something you want. Yes, I, I met the opportunity with a tremendous amount of fear, um, but I also really get off on fear, you know? Yeah. So I decided to just run for it. Yeah. I reached out to Ted, and he was like, huh, because he calls me Antony. And he was like, Antony? He's like, but you're an actor. I was like, yes, I'm aware. He's like, but you're comfortable in front of a camera, and you love to talk about food. And the thing about teaching these heroes is that you have to keep it sort of like relatable and accessible, and you're like more of a messenger. He's like, I actually think this is kind of perfect. He was like, all right, let's throw your name into the mix. How fearful or just uh, challenging was the audition process for Queer Eye? It was intimidating. There were chefs, like legit chefs who went to culinary school who were there. Um, so I fell into the trap of like compare and despair and I'm not them, I'm not going to get it. My mission was I kept it as simple as possible. Right. All you can do is present yourself as you truly are which is kind of what we encourage our heroes to do on the show as sure. well. Like, you can only be yourself and be the best version of yourself, but it's true. Easier said than done. Of course. Um, I watch the show, and I imagine that when you're going, the heroes are amazing, and obviously mm -hmm. they are, are buying into the entire journey. But you're going in places that probably don't have a really huge queer communities. Right. Uh, and how does that feel for you? There's one thing that makes me more uncomfortable than a Trump banner and it's guns being Canadian and just knowing what toll they've had on the country. 
And even that said, like that being something that we've seen in the homes of our heroes, mm. do I want to immediately bring that up right off the bat? Yes, but at the same time, if I do that, like that's not my job. That's not why I'm there. If I go at it that way, it's gonna be like walls are gonna go up right off the bat. It's more about trying to like find the humanity and just figuring out how I can best serve this person's life in, in the short amount of time that we're together. So I just focus on, I don't come in saying like, you need to be better with your diet. I ask questions and I just try to get as much information as I possibly can. And then we come up with an assessment. Yeah. Do you want to eat healthier? Do you want to show up for your family? Do you want to know how to cook for 10 people? Do you want to know how to make a freaking omelet just for yourself because you've been eating popcorn, Sean Van Meter? Um, <laughs> Like it's, it's different for everybody, yeah. right? And so it, it, it's, it's about figuring out what works for that person. Yeah, you said that you, you keep in touch with some of these people yeah. after some of the heroes. I'm very codependent. So <laughs> I do get attached because I really love people and I love connecting with people and just having like, I'm very quality over quantity. I've never been good at cocktail parties. I love intimate dinners and I really love getting to know a person. And when you get to know somebody over a week and they tell you things that they've maybe never even shared with anybody else before. Like, yeah, you get attached. Yeah. It's only human. Like, it's natural for me. So it's really hard to let go of that. I don't even think I've asked a single person, like, are you still cooking? Right. Or like, are you making the thing that I taught you how to make? It's just more like, how are you? How are you feeling? Yeah. So you have a cookbook coming out in September, Anthony in the I Kitchen. Do. Yeah. Uh, so um, what's a culinary deal breaker for you? Not that I make them often or ever really the last time I made a hot dog was for the last episode of season one or two of Queer Eye for um, a bunch of firemen but like ketchup on hot dogs makes me really uncomfortable because I feel like it should be like real American French's mustard and sauerkraut mm, yes and raw onion don't soak that let it be strong sauerkraut. and um and some relish yes and maybe some togarashi, which is like a nice spicy, like a Japanese seasoning with black sesame and just for a little bit of spice. <laughs> I've gone too far. <laughs> All right, Anthony, are you ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge? I am. Okay. <laughs> All right, you know, we have choices for you. Okay. So would you like to play a game about books or a game about guacamole? So with books, I would just like to preface that it's kind of like movies. I'll try to describe it without knowing what the name is. So I'm probably going to fail at the books, but I am tired of talking about guac. So let's, let's talk about books. All right. I'm going to regret It's going to be great. But it's okay. Anthony, you have an amazing t-shirt collection. And one of our favorites is a shirt referencing the main characters in a book, A Little Life, by Hanya Yanagihara. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to wear that on the show? When we had our mood boards set up with what our styles were going to be like, everyone had very specific looks. And with mine, they were like, you're the New Yorker of the bunch. We want you to be like James Dean, t-shirt, jeans, very simple. And so I was like, okay, like, where am I going to change it up so that I'm literally just not wearing the same white t-shirt all the time? And so I decided to bring up things that I was passionate about and things that I liked. And there was a book that I read twice, um, and then I'm about to read it for the third time because I decided that wasn't painful enough, um, <laughs> was um, A Little Life by Hanya. I've never been as affected by a book as I was when I read that one the first time, I actually had to put it down for a couple of weeks at a time because it was so difficult to read. And what struck me was not the pain of, you know, one of the main characters of, uh, of Jude, but it was the kindness that his friends showed and how they just sort of kept on showing up for him and, um, and loving him when he didn't love himself. Yeah. And it just makes me think of like friends that I've had, like the Silver Spoons, because now you guys know who they are, yeah. who, um, who showed up for me at really difficult stages in my life and like different times when I was really struggling with a lot of different things. And I was just touched by the humanity of it. And there was another part um, of the book that I thought was really interesting. The book does deal with fluidity and sort of um, and, and sexual preference as sort of something that kind of evolves and changes. And it kind of felt like it was this utopian future where it really didn't matter in the best way possible, where it wasn't really treated as an issue. 
It was like, okay, you're dating a girl today and you're dating a guy now. All right, great. It is what it is. Yeah. And I really like that because that's sort of what my path has been like. Yeah. So I really related to the book and I find different parts of me in all four characters of the book and I just love it. So I decided I wanted to wear a t-shirt with the four character names on it and yeah. Uh, that is it's a very long answer for a short no, question. No, it's the greatest answer because you know what? It would be not great if you were like, oh, someone told me to read that book and it's sitting at home. Their names were cute. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, that means Which something are, to me. But, yeah. Okay, so in this game, I'm going to list the main characters from a book in the style of that t-shirt and you're going to give me the book's title. For example, if we said Jude and JB and Willem and Malcolm, you would A little answer. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that means point. I get one right. You go... So we think you know all these books. Don't worry, we have hints if you need them. And if you do well enough, listener Shade Olasimbo from Alexandria, Virginia will win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Okay. Got it? All right. I was just thinking that I've never successfully um, completed a Rubik's Cube. You just need a screwdriver. <laughs> okay, here's your first one. Elio and Oliver. Call and... me by your name. That is correct. Um, um, uh, it's uh, Andre Ansiman, right? That's a bonus point, I suppose. So I get three points already. That's right. <laughs> Youngman and Pete and Flip and Fat Man and Skinny Man and Lance and Randy and Jeremy. It's by John Retchy. Oh, oh my, oh my gosh. Very dark book very interesting about um, uh, sex workers in the 50s in Times Square, where it used to be. It's called City of Night. That is correct. It's a really good book. All right, this is your last one. David and Johnny and Freddie and Evert. Freddie and Evert. Is that like Lost Boys, Outsiders? No. It's by Alan Hollinghurst. Oh my God, Sparseholt Affair. That's correct. I've only read half of it. You've only read half? Yeah. It's waiting for you. Yeah. You did amazing. Anthony, you and Shade Olasimbo won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Yay! Anthony will be back later in the show to play another game. Give it up for Anthony Porofsky. Thank you. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next two contestants will play a game inspired by James Bond. You know, my favorite Bond movie is the one about a stable balance of attractive and repulsive forces called Covalent Bond. (laughs) Super nerdy. First up, Alex Smales. You're a software consultant and an avid board game player. Okay, so you have put thousands of dollars into upgrading your board games. Yeah, because it's not enough just to buy the board games. They have to look good. Like, yeah. if you're going to be consistently play them, metal pieces, metal coins, the whole thing. Okay, so is there one game that you've invested the most amount of money in? Yeah, it's a rather obscure game unless you're, like, in that sort of realm. It's called Scythe, and I think I've put probably $800. Into $800? Yes, yes. And you're new to New York. I'm new to New York. And you're looking to hang out and play some board games, right? Yes. So, if anyone wants to play board games, I don't want to give you my contact information on (laughs) radio. No, (laughs) But you exist, and we know that. Alex, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Nolan Bagas. You just graduated from college. Congratulations. Thank you. And you're working in theater production upstate. Okay, let's go to your first game. Nolan, if you were a spy, what would your first mission be? I think it would be to, like, get extreme couponing, like, understand it. <laughs> like, that's something that I've always wanted to, like, really get into, because I think it's, like, incredible. But, I mean, I would think I would need, like, a mission and, like, a spy brain to really, like, go at that. Yeah. Nolan, when you ring in, we'll hear this. All right, so we have a word game for you called Double O No. We're going to tell you the plot of an imaginary James Bond movie. Every answer is a two-word phrase. The first word contains a double O. Remove one of the O's to make the second word. For example, if we said, 007 finds himself trapped in a chicken enclosure with a law enforcement officer, you'd answer, coop cop. Okay, cool. I know. Let's do this. 
Q-Arms 007 with an item of cowboy footwear enhanced with a computer program meant to mimic human behavior on Twitter. Nolan. Boot bot. Yeah, that's right. 007 is surprised when the new Bond girl, the author of Mrs. Dalloway, first name Virginia, turns out to be a wild canine with fangs and fur. Uh, Nolan. Wolf. Wolf? Correct. Yeah. No wonder she needed a room of one's own. <laughs> Little Virginia Wolf. Okay. In the ultimate face-off, Blofeld returns and almost sucks 007's face-off with his giant name-brand vacuum cleaner that floats above the ground. Alex. Hoover, hover. Yeah, that's right. Which I believe is called a Roomba. (laughs) 007 loses some of his sex appeal in this animated version where Bond is portrayed by a cardboard milk container. Alex. Cartoon, carton. Correct. Yeah. He can never find who he's looking for because it's on his back. As a <laughs> Where'd he go? Carton. Have you okay. seen Bond? <laughs> Cold Open. 007's latest mission takes him to the central African city of Yaoundé, where he teams up with another agent from Charlie's Angels, last name Diaz. Uh, Alex. Cameron, Cameroon. Or Cameroon, Cameron. Correct. Yeah, nice one. All right, this is your last clue. 007 walks through two swinging doors into a villain's lair that, from the outside, looks like a cowboy bar. But inside, his arch nemesis is getting his nails done. Red polish with one gold finger. Alex. Saloon, salon. Yeah, that's it. Cecil Baldwin, how did our contestants do? That was a great game. And Alex, you're in the lead. Ask Me Another is going on a tour through Texas. We're heading to San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and Austin. We'll have great guests, puzzles, word games, trivia, and at least one game called Everything's Bigger in Texas. Tickets at amatickets.org. Coming up, Anthony from Queer Eye is back. Could this show get any more adorable? The answer is yes, as we quiz him about corgis. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Kay Buxbaum in support of the David Gilkey and Zabiula Tamana Memorial Fund, established to strengthen NPR's commitment to training and protecting journalists in high-risk environments. Howdy, Texas. This September, Ask Me Another is coming to the Lone Star State. We're stopping in San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and Austin, and bringing comedy, nerdy games, and trivia, plus special guests. You won't want to miss this. Tickets are on sale now at amatickets.org. If you love this show, then check out Life Kit, tools to help you get it together. Think of it as that friend who always has great advice on everything from how to invest to how to get a great workout. Subscribe to Life Kit All Guides to get episodes on every topic all in one place. Find it in Apple Podcasts or at npr.org slash lifekit. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Cecil Baldwin with guest musician Julian Villard. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg! Thank you, Cecil. Before the break, we met our contestants, Alex and Nolan. Our next game is about Neil Diamond. Oh. You know that song, Sweet Caroline? Yeah. Uh, Caroline's last name was actually Ba-Ba-Ba. So good, so good, so good. <laughs> Let's check in with them. Alex, you have two cats, Mm -hmm. but you've decided not to name them. This is a real point of contention with people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think cats have like a sense of identity like dogs do. I know. I'm going to get it. (laughs) 
it's really become more of a choose your own name when my friends come over. So they've all named my cats different things. And so it's more of a fun thing now. And none of them to you have stuck? You've never been like, you are definitely a Marvin. Actually, Jeff and Marsha is an actual uh, name pair for them. But um, no, none have stuck. That's very Holly Golightly of you. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you. (laughs) Nolan, your family's Irish and you are very into a yearly St. Patrick's Day parade. Why? Yeah, so um, literally like a few weeks after I was born, I was carried in the St. Patrick's Day parade that's been important. So it's in the Quad Cities, Iowa. Okay. I'm in Iowa. Yeah, I'm from Iowa. It's actually, I think, the only parade that I know of that crosses from one state into another. So we begin in Illinois, and we, like, for a large part of it, we're on the freezing cold, like, bridge crossing the Mississippi, and then we go back down to the people. But, like, for a large, like, 20 minutes of the parade, yeah. we're just cold on a bridge. And you do this with your family yes. every year? and I love it, yes. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Julian, it was recently announced there's a Neil Diamond Broadway musical in development. I'm excited, Ophira. Because you're a big Neil Diamond fan, right? I I love Neil Diamond. He is uh, all the things that I want to be. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? What Like uh, he is uh, fearless. Yeah. And uh, boldly Jewish. Boldly Jewish. (laughs) In this music parody... I'm going to sing classic Neil Diamond songs rewritten to be about other real people who've been the subject of biographical Broadway musicals. It's a high concept game. High concept. Nolan is going, yes, and Alex is like, not going to be okay. So ring in and tell me the real person, not necessarily the musical, but the real person that I'm singing about. If you get that right, for a bonus point, you can name the Neil Diamond song. Alex, stay in the lead, and you are off to the final round. Nolan, you need to get more points, or you'll find out that your Neil Diamond is just Neil Cubic Zirconia. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. You guys ready? Yeah. He was number 42. He broke the color barrier. He wore Brooklyn's white and blue. He broke the color barrier. Alex. I want to say Hank Aaron. I'm afraid that is incorrect. The crowd is so disappointed. (laughs) It's okay. okay. Nolan, can you steal? Is it Jackie Robinson? You are correct. It's Jackie Robinson. And uh, the musical about his life is called The First. For a bonus point, can you name the Neil Diamond song? America? You are also correct. Well done. MacArthur Park Demo the lights Hot stuff and last dance Played on long disco nights Worked hard for the cash And her songs were all a smash She felt love Nolan Is it Donna Summer? You are correct The musical about her life is Summer, the Donna Summer musical. For a bonus point, can you name the Neil Diamond song? You don't bring me flowers anymore. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. That song is Love on the Rocks. All right. Love on the Rocks. Um, All right. Here we go. Uh, Another another Neil Diamond song. (laughs) Not JFK, a Newark mayor. Sorry, your airport does irk. Of the corrupt made short work. Not JFK or Newark. Nolan. LaGuardia? You are correct. <laughs> Fiorello LaGuardia, former mayor of New York City, and the musical about his life is the musical Fiorello, with an exclamation point. Can you, for a bonus point, name the song? Uh, Believer. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that is actually the song Cherry Cherry. All right, here's your next one. Hey, first lady, sing your song. Not gonna cry cause you said I shouldn't moan Patty Lapone This role she'd own You were the darling of Argentina 
Nolan. Ava Perone. Avida? Avida, yes. Yeah. Yes, Avida. Right, right? Ava Perone? Okay. You're correct. The whole Ava thing Perone. is right. And can you guess the Neil Diamond song? I know you can. You don't bring me flowers anymore? Oh. No! <laughs> you are not correct again about <laughs> the Neil Diamond song. That is actually Cracklin' Rosie. Cool. All right. This is your last clue. I am the tramp with baggy pants. In silence films the victims of circumstances. Alex. I'm going to say the Jets. I'm sorry. I really don't know anything about musicals. <laughs> uh, are you referring to West Side Story mm-hmm. or the Jets? No, that, that, is, that is not correct. Uh, can you steal, Nolan? Uh, Charlie Chaplin from Chaplin. You are correct, Nolan. Well done. And for a bonus point, can you name the Neil Diamond song? You know, you don't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> song is actually called You Don't Bring Me Flowers. There is no anymore in the title. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just I'm so to... sorry. Great. Let's just be clear if you're going to say it that many times. <laughs> wow. I know this is, this, the, really... this is the angriest I've ever seen that's... Julian Villard. Hey, Neil Diamond fan forever, right? Uh, no, that song is uh, I Am Ellipsis, I Said. <laughs> oh, I've heard of that. Uh, Cecil, who won that game? After two games, Nolan is moving on to the final round. <laughs> Before the final round, let's bring back our special guest to play another game. Please welcome back from Queer Eye, Anthony Porowski. Thank you for having me. And let's bring out our guest announcer, Cecil Baldwin. <laughs> Anthony, we know you love corgis. I sure do. So for our listeners who aren't dog people, Welsh corgis are those tiny little dogs with little legs, perky ears, and cute butts, and they are just all over adorable. Yep. However, on page 26 of your cookbook, you are pictured walking a dog that is clearly not a corgi. (laughs) That dog is Kuma. Kuma is a rescue. (laughs) I'm a rescue, Anthony. I'm a rescue. Adopt, don't shop. (laughs) Pit mixes have a really bad it's rap. True. They do. Nobody wants to adopt Nobody them. Nobody wants they're to adopt them, and they're everywhere. Yeah. So basically, our producer used your love of corgis as an excuse to Google corgi photos all day, oh. and then we wrote this multiple choice for quiz job. for you. So this is multiple choice. Okay. Here's your first question: Welsh corgis were originally bred for what practical purpose? A to serve as small watchdogs for small homes. Cute, but no. B, to herd cattle. Or C, just to look super, super cute. B. That is right. Corgis are close to the ground. They nip. They nip the They nip at the ankles. Yes, the cow's ankles. Yeah. How annoying. And then they run between the legs. Yes. They're very fast. (laughs) Fast? And when they run really fast, they can't go straight because they're so long, so they go to an angle. (laughs) It's true. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. What event in Southern California attracts more than 1,000 corgis and their owners? A, bring your corgi to the symphony at Hollywood Bowl. B, Corgi Beach Day, officially hosted by a corgi named Mr. Pickles. C, Lowrider Remakes, an outdoor short film festival featuring iconic movie scenes reenacted with corgi actors. I did not know that Mr. Pickles ran the thing, but it's the Corgi Beach Day. It is the Corgi Beach Day. They wear bathing suits. They are so adorable. They love a beach. In England, more than 30 corgis have lived with the royal family in Buckingham Palace. Which of these royal corgi incidents actually occurred? A, at a state dinner, a corgi stole a sausage from Camilla Bowles. B, in the 1950s, a corgi bit a man who was the palace's royal clock winder. Or C, during the queen's annual televised Christmas message, a corgi could be seen peeing in the background. I think that it's the clock winder. 
That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Her corgis wouldn't pee like that. They're way too respectful. But now all the corgis are gone, not to take it to a dark place. I know. But now they have dorgies. Are they dachshund corgi mixes? Yes. So the reason why I love corgis so much, even though I didn't have access to them as a child, it's because I was raised with miniature dachshunds, even though we call them dash hounds. And so we always had either one or we had two. And the first one was named Biggie, and she was smuggled from Poland. And we think that her name was Mickey, but my grandmother didn't know how to pronounce it, so she called her Biggie, and she couldn't eat dog food because they didn't have dog food uh, post-communism in Poland, so she would eat all bran, ham, cottage cheese. And when she was really old and started having heart palpitations, she loved having English breakfast tea, but we used to water it down, and I made it way too concentrated, and she almost died like three times. <laughs> And then she did die one time when my parents were driving me back from junior high and we were carpooling in our red Mercury Villager minivan and all the other kids wanted to stop for chocolate bars but I didn't want to because I could tell them my parents were sad. And we got out of the car and both my parents got emotional, even my father who does not cry except he does now in his older age, which is really cute and very endearing. And, and then we got emotional and we ended up burying Biggie um, behind but I got to like feel her one last time and she was like a really important part of the family. I don't know if we can do any more show. <laughs> but you did great. Anthony, you did actually amazing. Anthony's upcoming cookbook is called Anthony in the Kitchen. Queer Eye Season 4 is streaming on Netflix. Anthony Porowski, everybody. Thank you so much. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Monica you who turned America's Funniest Home Videos into her thesis. And Nolan Bogus, who loves getting cold on a bridge. <laughs> Nolan and Monica, your final round is called M&Ms. Every answer begins and ends with the letter M. And our big winner will receive a corgi signed by Anthony Porowski. <laughs> Or an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Nolan is going first. Here we go. Nolan, this CBS sitcom stars Allison Janney and Anna Ferris. Mom. That is correct. Monica, Frankie Munez played this titular character who was in the middle on a early 2000s Fox sitcom. Malcolm? That is correct. Nolan, Cinderella's castle can be found in this part of Disney World. Magic Kingdom. Yeah, that's correct. Monica, it's a brand of ice cream or a Trojan condom. I hate that I know this one. Magnum? I, th I think it's positive. You are correct. Nolan, this word can be an old-timey way to politely address a woman or the head of a brothel. Ma'am? Ma'am is short for madam, so we will accept it. Monica, it's a proverb such as haste makes waste, or don't count your chickens before they hatch. A maxim. That is correct. Nolan, MoMA, LACMA, and the Tate are all examples of this. Museums. Yeah, we can take that. Modern art museum, but just yeah. museum is good, too. Monica, it's the name for the bodily process of converting food into energy. Metabolism? That is correct. All right, we're halfway through. Cecil, how are our contestants doing? The game is tied four points each. Beautiful. Nolan, this practice of making unfounded accusations is named for a senator who accused Americans of being communists. McCarthyism? That is correct. Monica, anyone can publish a think piece on this website created by the former CEO of Twitter. Medium? That is correct. Nolan, 100 Years of Solitude is a famous example of this literary genre born in Latin America. Mabookum. Good. <laughs> Checks out. Good guess, good guess. We were looking for a magical realism. Monica, a magician pretends to be able to read your mind in this form of stage magic. Mesmerism? I'm sorry, we cannot accept mesmerism. That is uh, hypnosis, not mind yeah. reading. We were looking for mentalism. Uh. All right, only a few questions left. Cecil, how are our contestants doing? We're still tied. We are still tied. Nolan, it's the product of mass and velocity. Momentum. That is correct. Monica, the Taj Mahal is a famous example of this type of building, which houses a tomb. 
a mausoleum. That is correct. Okay, we have uh, one last question for each of you. Nolan, oyster and porcini are two varieties of this fruiting fungus body. Mushroom. That is correct. Score is seven to six. This is the last question. Monica, you must answer this question correctly to stay in the game and force a tiebreaker. (gasps) Monica, this mineral can be found in legumes and vegetables. Magnesium? That is correct. Okay, we have one final tiebreaker question. You have tied it up, so grab your buzzers. It's the name of the test you take halfway through an academic course. Nolan. Mid-sem? Mid-term. My college, we call them mid-sems, not mid-terms. Actually, they both start and end with M, so we're going to take that. Yes, congratulations! Monica, great job, and congratulations. Nolan, you're a big winner, and that's the show. Our podcast drops every Friday. Listen and subscribe. Ask Me Another's guest announcer is Cecil Baldwin. Hey, my name anagrams to Blind Ice Claw. Our guest musician is Julian Villard. Naive Dull Jar. Our puzzles were written by Matt Foster, Sean Gould, Scott Ross, Mary Tobler, and senior writer Karen Lurie, with additional material by Kara Weinberger. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzoff, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seychell, Romel Wood, and our intern, Hannah Meyer-Katkin, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Akabe, and Jeff O'Neill. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, happy to hear you're still listening. And since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For additional information about new episodes, upcoming live shows, road shows, and bonus games. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we've got actor Greta Lee and writer Leslie Headland from Netflix's Russian Doll. Greta shares how, at her all-Korean summer camp, she starred in a solo show as Forrest Gump. The last line of the play was, life is a box of kimchi. (laughs) So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions.